Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 13th day of June 2023, and this is episode... The hell episode is this? Episode 746 of Bitcoin and woo doggy. We've got some shit going down today. Uh, we're going to get into all of that. Uh, there's Domus drama going on. There's some swan drama going on. In my opinion, kind of looks like a coordinated attack. Uh, I mean, it's just two pieces of information uh, going on at the exact same time, but still, uh, I've just been around the space too damn long to think that this is anything other than a potential coordinated attack upon Bitcoin and the users of Bitcoin and the people that are proponents of Bitcoin and the people that talk about Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, you get it, right? You get it. We'll we'll get into that shit as well. Uh, what do we want to do first? Before we do any of that, before we even go there, let's talk about Gary Gensler. We get, might as well, because God knows Warren Davidson's talking about Gary Gensler and not in the best light. Decrypt.co starts us out. Andrew Thorvalis is writing it. Crypto-friendly congressman draft bill to reform the SEC and fire Gary Gensler. He promised to do it. And it looks like Davidson is following through. Following months of attacks against the crypto industry by the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, two Republican congressmen have decidedly had enough of the agency's chairman. Quote, today I filed the SEC Stabilization Act to restructure the SEC and fire Gary Gensler, announced Warren Davidson from Ohio on Twitter Monday. <clears throat> Quote, U.S. capital markets must be protected from a tyrannical chairman, including the current one. Ooh, invoked tyranny. That's a loaded word right there. Joining Davidson in creating the legislation is Representative Tom Emmer from Minnesota, the crypto-supportive House Majority Whip, who has repeatedly blasted Gensler for his incompetence in governing, governing the crypto market and driving the industry overseas. In a press release related to the legislation on Emmer's website, the politician cited a long list of abuses that Gensler has committed while in office, including a Hotel California rule for crypto providing no resolution and no clarity for the captives in the market. Quote, American investors and industry deserves clear and consistent oversight, not political gamesmanship, said Emmer in a statement. I right, let's pause right there because Hotel California rule for any of you guys that are like younger, you weren't listening to rock and roll and stuff like that in the seventies and the eighties. You might not understand that reference. It's a reference to the Eagles song, Hotel California, and the line that I believe is being represented here in this allegory is Hotel California, where you can always check in, but you can never leave. 
and if you haven't listened to the song, I I highly recommend it, man. It's kind of a transportive song. It it literally paints close your eyes and listen to the song. You can almost see pictures in your head because of the way the lyrics are so well written. Anyway, continuing on. Each congressman's criticisms are reminiscent of those levied by the industry itself. Crypto exchange Coinbase, which was sued by the SEC on Tuesday for securities law violations, told Decrypt last week that the SEC is pursuing an enforcement-only approach without clear rules surrounding digital assets. On Thursday, Binance U.S. accused the SEC of using fear tactics to pursue an ideological campaign against the American digital asset industry. Gensler has even faced criticism within his own agency from SEC Commissioner Hester Peirce, sometimes known as Crypto Mom, who has often objected in vain to the commission's attempt to regulate crypto using existing financial industry rules. Besides firing Gensler, Davidson and Ember's legislation would give commissioners like Pierce more influence by placing rulemaking, enforcement, and investigation authority under six commissioners, one more than the existing five. Of the commissioners, no more than three could be part of the same political party, and they would be subject to staggered six-year terms. Meanwhile, an executive director would handle the agency's daily operations. Davidson confirmed last month that Congress had taken the White House's proposed 30% Bitcoin mining tax off the table as part of the nation's ongoing debt ceiling negotiations. So there it is. The legislation has now been dropped. Now, will anything come of it? I kind of doubt it. I really do. I mean, I, I understand the sentiment. I get it. But... Honestly, I think this is just paying lip service to their particular constituencies. And it's not like nobody else does it, but does Warren Davidson and Tom Emmer really believe that this bit of legislation is going to get any traction? Look what they're fighting. I mean, it's not just Gensler. Gensler in, in and of himself, any commissioner of the SEC really doesn't matter all that much because they're just, honestly, at this point, they've just really become a mouthpiece for the powers that be. All right, so Gensler is just, he's just speaking for industry leaders that want to moat themselves and not allow anybody into their playground, and that's what he's doing. He's not really, he doesn't really give a shit about protecting the American people from fraud and, I don't know, child pornography or whatever the hell else he actually says he's working on. It has everything to do with protecting the powers that be. We know that. He knows that. We know that he knows that. And he knows that we know that he knows that. That's why he's probably not going anywhere. I mean, because he really does know that we know that he knows that this is all bullshit. And he's not going to back down. And Tom Emmer and Warren Davidson try as they might, even though that Tom Emmer's the, the majority whip, which is kind of a big deal, I just, I don't see it moving forward. So here's what not to expect. (laughs) Victory. Here's what you can expect. At least it will be a discussion that can be had at the higher levels of Congress. And maybe that will plant some seeds. And maybe those seeds will grow. If they do plant seeds, then it's kind of going to be up to us to help them grow. How to do that? Oh, I don't know. Write your congressman. I honestly, it's all so tiring that I just 
sometimes it, it's so tiring that it's, you know, causes some disillusionment. But, you know, here's to you know, Emmer and, and Davidson. All right, here, here's to you, pal. I, I, I hope you guys kick their ass. Whatever, dude. But we've got other problems on the horizon. And this has nothing to do with Congress, or at least not that we know of. JB55 released a statement earlier today concerning Domus. He is the creator of Domus, the iOS app for the Nostra Protocol. It's a client that allows you to see into the Nostra Protocol and, you know, interact with other people and zap people. And apparently Apple doesn't like people zapping other people. They want it gone. Here's the statement. Domus will be removed from the App Store in 14 days. Apple says zaps are not allowed on their platform because they could be used by content creators. Oh my God, to sell digital content. This is right before I'm about to give my talk at the Oslo Freedom Forum on how decentralized social networks with lightning integration are bringing financial freedom to the masses. Pretty sus. This would be a watershed moment if people can't transact freely P2P on their platform. This has huge implications for the entire ecosystem of apps with lightning integration and value for value. Yeah, this this would affect podcasting 2.0. Adam Curry should be pissed. Everybody should be pissed. Now, here's here's the statement from Apple. This is what they sent to the Domus crew. It says app review. Please review this information carefully as it impacts your app's ability on the app store and requires your immediate action, uh, not, not ability, availability. Sorry. Hello. We are writing to let you know about new information regarding your app Domus version 1.4.3. Upon reevaluation, we found that your app is not in compliance with the App Store review guidelines. Specifically, we found your app is in violation of the following. Guideline 3.1.1, business, payments, in-app purchases. We noticed that your app allows users to send tips associated with receiving content from digital content creators with a mechanism other than in-app purchase. Although tips or donations may be optional, if they are connected to or associated with receiving digital content, they must use in-app purchase in accordance with guideline 311. To ensure that there is no interruption of the availability of your app on the App Store, please submit an update within 14 days of the date of this message. If we do not receive an update compliant with the App Store review guidelines within 14 days, your app will be removed from sale. Please note, if your app is found to be out of compliance for any reason and rejected after the time period provided has elapsed, your app will be removed from sale until a compliant update is submitted, approved, and released to the App Store. If your app is removed from sale, the test flight version of this app will also be unavailable for external and internal testing and all public test flight links will no longer be functional. In order to return your app to the App Store, you will need to submit an updated version for review which addresses these issues. If you have any questions about this information, please reply to this message and let us know. Best regards, App Store Review. Yeah, fuck you. Dude. Really? Really? Even even Jack is not all that happy about this. What did what's Jack doing? Well, Jack's over there on Titter or Twitter 
or Tweetler or Dead Bird app or whatever the hell you want to call it. And he is, well, he took the Domus announcement tweet and retweeted it and then put this copy on it. He says, this seems to be a misunderstanding by at Apple, so he tags him directly in the post, of how this feature works and what it's for. It's a critical part of the future of the Internet. It has the capacity to bring people around the world into the economy without the traditional gatekeepers. Please reconsider at Tim Cook. So he also tagged Tim Cook. And, of course, he's retweeting the Domus uh, tweet that says Domus will be removed from the App Store in 14 days. And I just read you all that stuff. So Jack not happy about it either. So that was at 8.56 a.m. when Jack tweeted that. Okay, so... I don't know, let's see, I guess it's 8.56 my time because I'm aligned with Pacific Daylight Time. It is now 10.13 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. So let's find out what happened since then. Not very long after, JB55, or William, the creator of Domus, wrote this on Noster. Apple has contacted me and has scheduled a call to discuss this in more detail. That's all he says. So they at least he gets a phone call, right? At least he gets to talk to somebody live. And that probably would not normally happen. And sadly, had it not been for Jack. It's not that I don't like Jack. I actually kind of do. Uh, there's things that I don't like about him, but on balance, I, I like the guy. I, I do. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to apologize for that. Um, but sadly, if it takes somebody like Jack to move Apple's needle on something like this, then even if, you know, Domus is just fine after 14 days and Apple reneges on this threat, it doesn't actually change anything in the long term. It only changes shit in the short term because why Jack is a centralized entity. He's a singular person. He has a lot of pull in various industries. He's got a lot of pull on social media in general. He's got a shit ton of followers across many, many, many platforms. And he uses many, many platforms. He has a voice that is stronger than mine, stronger than yours, stronger than most of us put together. And yet, we find ourselves and Will finds themselves kind of in a dependency that he's got to do this shit. He's got to let Jack speak for him because Will doesn't have enough of a voice of his own. No fault of Will. This is just the way shit is. And this is what we've been trying to change for years. This is what we rail against. This is this is the centralization that we do not want. And when it comes down to the centralization of a single person, that's as atomic as it gets. What do I mean by atomic? It means a, a singular entity, one that cannot be divided again. That was what the original term of atomic actually meant. Of course, quantum mechanics and the uh, cloud chambers and, uh, you know, uh, atom colliders and atom smashers and mass movers kind of, you know, destroyed the fact that atoms were inviolable. But in this particular case, if you split Jack in half, Jack goes away forever. Okay, so we're talking as atomic as it gets. And yet we still have the centralization of voice centralization of power, centralization of people listen to me. And this 
this cannot this cannot continue but the problem is is that we're humans we're fighting millions of years of evolution right even before we were humans that which became humans probably had some kind of pecking order wolves have it packs of wild dogs have it they call it the alpha male and then there's the beta male the pecking order is across all animal kingdoms you know except maybe insects well no i take that back because guess who gets their head lopped off after they mate and that's a praying menace so even insects have a kind of a pecking order if you get your head chopped off by somebody else and you know it's going to happen that that's a pecking order i'm sorry it just it just is in either event this is what's going on this morning however that's not the fucking end of it now is it because alan watts posted this one says swan's youtube banned by the borg today what's going on and in fact Swan Bitcoin or at Swan Bitcoin, I guess over on Twitter because they haven't, they're not, they really don't aren't active on Noster, which is to their detriment. Come on, Swan, get get with it, guys. Uh, Swan dot, or Swan Bitcoin says our YouTube channel with fifty four thousand subscribers just got banned. When will the censorship against Bitcoin educational content end? And then they show a screenshot that just says it's a picture of their YouTube channel with a red banner that says this account has been terminated for violating YouTube's community guidelines. And all I have to say about that is holy shit. What do I mean by that? Well, Oak Grove, AKA Dubrovka sent me a dad joke and I'm going to do it earlier in the show than later. I accidentally drank holy water with my laxative. I'm about to start a religious movement. And as bad and capable of a dad joke that that is, maybe it does need to be a religious movement. Maybe we should go full on bishop robes and miters and fucking staves with golden orbs on top of it and walk around and just, I don't know, curse people. Not curse at them, literally put the curse of God on them or something like that. I don't know. Pull some Moses-based shit on people like Tim Cook because this is the the ruler rulers of the world are just at this point, they don't understand that the human race is filled with sovereign individuals. They don't look at us that way. They look at us as chattel and that they can do whatever they want to do. And they also know that amongst that population of chattel is a large population of other chattel that will fight to their own death to defend people like Apple. So we have to fight amongst our own ranks before we can even fight the people that put the the chattel that fights for them within our midst. And I wish I had an answer other than get the hell out of the cities, figure out how to grow some of your own food, you know, honestly, I'm just re- at this point, I'm parroting Jack Spearco. So honestly, just go listen to Jack Spearco, uh, the survival podcast, because he goes through all that. Detach, to, like cut strings, cut the ties that bind to whatever this thing has become that seeks to do nothing but try to channel us into these pockets of where they can extract our wealth, our time, our love, our good hopes for the future and use it for their own nefarious purposes because that's what they're doing. They don't at this point money doesn't even mean anything to these people. 
It's just pure power play. Fuck them all. Hope they die. Our time will come. And speaking of time, have you ever heard of the word horology? It's the study and measurement of time. It's also the art of making clocks and watches. Why do I even mention all that shit? Because we're going to read this one from Bitcoin Magazine written by Dr. Reist Simjanowski, I think is how you pronounce it. Hi, horology. How watchmaking helps me understand Bitcoin. Oh, okay. Vinyl records should be obsolete. However, Jack White, Ben Blackwell, and Ben Swank's Third Man Records continues to press on, literally. Dedicated media channels featuring content creators such as Teddy Bledisare, a YouTuber who mostly reviews analog wristwatches, likewise shouldn't be approaching 1 million subscribers. White, Baldessari, and many others continue to rage against a digitized world with grace and cult followings. Bitcoin, while being a digitized software protocol, implements one of the most elegant solutions to security in this same vein, an offline analog seed phrase. In fact, many seed phrases are stored on pieces of paper, carved and or stamped into pieces of metal, or are typewritten with vintage typewriters. Even Bitcoin Magazine, while having a massive online presence, sells out of their physical publications. The analog aspect of humanity isn't a trend. Analog defines us. For many, something deeper occurs when they place a record onto a player. The act of moving a physical arm, which houses a delicate needle onto pressed vinyl, and then hearing the scratches, pops, and subtle noises of the system at work is not listening. It's feeling. Similarly, the physical task of manually winding a watch involves touch. The act of twisting the crown provides feedback to not only the fingers, but to the ears as well. Some might even argue the heart is engaged. In regard to wearing an automatic watch, some owners can feel the rotor within the micromechanical system as it spins on their wrist. Improbable correlations, experiments, and errors. The earliest mechanical or automatic watch dates back to the early 1500s, a spherical timepiece that, when manually wound, ran for upwards of 16 hours. The piece, which was reported to have been created by horologist Peter Henlein, a German clockmaker for Philip Melanchthon, the patron, was accurate to the nearest half hour. Whoops. Within a hundred years, Galileo Galilei was tinkering with the concept of pendulum clocks. However, while Galileo's sketches illustrated a profound interest in the potential of creating a pendulum clock, he did not construct one before his death. The development of the first pendulum clock is credited to horologist Christian Huygens in the mid-1600s. Huygens' earlier works purported accuracy of approximately one minute per day, but iterations pushed the clockmaker to errors of less than 10 seconds per day. Fast forward another 75 years or so, and clockmakers had refined the craft to an accuracy of plus or minus one second per day in the 1700s. 1700s, guys. A fun experiment for readers, if you want to understand Huygens' physics, Create your own crude pendulum by tethering a weight to a string. Once the weight is hanging freely, grab the string in one hand and use the other hand to pull the weight to one side and then let it go. You'll notice the weight swing from one side to another. Not really fascinating, right? But then, then, grab the weight and pull it from a higher distance and let go. Repeat 
from a lower distance. What you'll find is exactly what Huygens theorized and then proved, that the stored potential energy of the weights plays no role in how fast the pendulum swings. The time the pendulum takes to pass through the center is constant, no matter how far you drop the pendulum from. The only way to adjust the speed of the pendulum is to either increase or decrease the actual length of the string. A longer string length equates to slower pendulum rates, or the pulse, and a shorter length thus results in a faster pulse, or tick, as the weight swings back and forth. This, for all intents and purposes, is how mechanical watches are adjusted, except without a string. A tiny piece of metal, or a spring, is wound up. If a watch is running slow or fast, adjustments are made within the system. Not much has changed in the past 150 years or so. It's beautiful because it's simple. I correlate the accuracy errors of mechanical timepieces to my Bitcoin discovery phase. Initially, I believed that every 10 minutes, a new block was created. However, as I surrounded myself with more experienced community members, technical personnel, and cypherpunks, I learned that block times vary, or oscillate, between a few seconds in deviation to a few days in some cases. The protocol adjusts the length of the pendulum string automatically, based on the needs of the network. The mechanical aspects of time deviation that Satoshi Nakamoto coded into Bitcoin, unlike watchmaking, are features and not bugs. High horology, also known as the more precise, meticulous, and highly time-consuming task of creating bespoke and, in many instances, the most exceptionally accurate mechanical timepieces known to man, often turn a blind eye towards quartz, digital, solar, and hybrid movements. While many may not realize this, a typical quartz Timex or Casio is more accurate than many high-end mechanical watches. Additionally, some watch connoisseurs do not regard many of the expensive brands as constituting high horology simply because of their brand names. The devil's in the details. Collectors might, however, consider a bespoke offering from a watchmaker that they may have never heard of, assuming that the horologist created something remarkable, such as the quad-layer shed resurgence timepiece that Joshua Shapiro has prototyped in Southern California. The irony is that many watch collectors typically also have a $40 or $100 Casio G-Shock or equivalent wristwatch in their collections. There are various reasons why, but in truth, different tasks require different tools. Regarding Bitcoin, the tool of BTC awaits tasks, layers, and adoption. Bitcoin is both high horology and a $40 Casio. The application adapts based on the user and the network, but most significantly upon the developers who dedicate their lives to bettering the network. And then we come to jewels. When considering the number of gears, wheels, pinions, springs, etc. in a mechanical watch movement, a lot of friction is generated between the micro-metallic components, not unlike the friction caused by some within the BTC community. As such, jewels in a mechanical watch can be more commonly referred to as bearings. As such, a jewel does not represent jewelry, but rather a precision gem bearing implemented to reduce friction. If you own a mechanical, automatic, or any variation of a modern self-winding watch, odds are there is a jewel number on the back of the timepiece. Quartz timepieces may not have a single jewel in their mechanism, while others may have a handful. Implementing a battery, generators, and capacitors into quartz movements has reduced or removed the need for traditional jeweling. Most mechanical watches have 17 jewels, while more complex timepieces implement more.
Initially, diamonds, rubies, and sapphires were implemented as bearings in these complex timepieces. Even today, the most well-known watchmakers utilize synthetic sapphires or rubies. In Bitcoin, horology matters. Whether one has caught the bug of watch collecting or has zero knowledge of that space is irrelevant to the field of horology. The space drives forward without them. The mechanics of automatic watches hasn't changed in hundreds of years. In truth, perhaps this is why the field is so endearing. Bitcoin is on the same trajectory. While many believe Bitcoin is too complex to understand, these same critics use other technologies daily and ironically can never articulate how the technology that they use every day actually functions. Some members of the same community view Bitcoin as archaic technology. Everything revolves around perspective. If you asked most of the population how a mechanical watch, quote, tells time, could they tell you? Even many watch collectors could not identify all the parts in a movement, and that's okay. Adoption is adoption. With or without them, the Bitcoin protocol ticks on in similar fashion. My mechanical watch may sit idly by. However, once I pick it up and put it on my wrist, the second hand begins to sweep and the inner workings spring back to life. Bitcoin in cold storage is akin to an automatic watch waiting to be worn. Within the Bitcoin community, there are friction points, not within the software per se, but within the community itself. Jewels in the Bitcoin community might exemplify friction-reducing individuals, programmers, node operators, and the like, who are often downplayed at conferences online and in the real world. Most recently, some programmers have attempted to introduce friction into the mechanics of the Bitcoin protocol. The friction reduction aspects, jewels, of the Bitcoin community are underappreciated but play a critical role in the protocol. I encourage the cypherpunk community to be on guard for continued attacks in an attempt to create friction within the protocol and to be prepared with additional jewels in hand ready for deployment. In previous articles and a book, I hinted at the quiet Bitcoin community and its significance. Perhaps I should refer to them as jewels in our protocol moving forward. Stay strong. Continue to do good work. You are appreciated. An interesting way to look at it. I don't disagree with it. It's you know how how much will this you know analogy affect you and your you know understanding of Bitcoin and how Bitcoin itself, the protocol, attaches to the societal component. Well, that's that's up to you, man. That's left. That's up to you. It's left to be seen. But I will say this: Bitcoin is nothing without the human component, and humans are going to be so much better with Bitcoin. You take these two things and you shove them together like a Reese's peanut butter cup, and all of a sudden you've got something that can take us into the future. How we associate with the protocol, how the protocol drives our innovation, how do we how we work together as machine and human, I guarantee you is going to be a defining moment in human history. Because we have two choices. We can become cyborgs or we can work with technology without ingesting the technology, thereby corrupting our humanity. If somebody decides that they want to put a Bitcoin full node on a chip and then want me, for whatever reason, to put that chip into my brain and my brain neurology then powers the Bitcoin full node 
And then I've got an antenna somewhere in the other part of my brain that picks up the Wi-Fi networks around the world. And then I can somehow or another act as a full node to Bitcoin. No, I will absolutely not do that. I'm not going to become a Bitcoin full node. I will run a Bitcoin full node until the day that I die, but I'm not going to put it into my body. This moment in time is how we define how we're going to work with technology in the future. I totally believe this. There are going to be a, there's going to be a bifurcation in the human species. I guarantee it. Some will readily become cyborgs and some will, you know, maybe prisoners will be forced to become cyborgs. The rest of humanity will not allow technology to be embedded in their body. And we will have an evolutionary branch of the tree. How, which road are you going to travel? But this is the moment. We're at that, we're at that evolutionary inflection point today, right now. How you decide to interact with the technologies that are here right now today and the ones that are fast coming upon us will determine which road you go down. If you want to put shit in your body and become a cyborg, more power to you. I'm not going to tell you that you can't, that you shouldn't, or that you're a bad person for it. I'm never going to do that. It doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't. Now, as strange as that was, stranger things are afoot. At the Circle K. What's the Circle K? No, actually, it's the Circle P. (laughs) I got screwed up because I'm trying to put reminders for myself to actually shift gears. I'm talking not about the Circle K. That was the impetus of the idea for Circle P. What is it? It's my attempt to gather just regular people, not people that have companies, you know, that want to advertise with me uh, and then pay me like a monthly fee to do advertising. You know, they, they've got a product, they've got manufacturing, they've got 15 people on staff and no pro, you know, no worries about those that do, but there are people that just want to do things just by themselves. Like Shishi, S-H-I-S-H-I-21-M. You can find him on Noster at S-H-I-S-H-I. I've got his in-pub. He sells comfrey, and he does it by himself. He doesn't have a staff, but he needs a place. He needs an outlet. He needs to be able to, to get his product into the hands of people that may actually want that product. And by God, you're going to want this product. And that's what the Circle P is. Maple Trades, another one of the guys that I'm experimenting on this entire endeavor with. I want to put him into my store. Where does my store exist? In my voice. It's you listening to me right now. You're in the Circle P. You've walked in through the door. Okay, I opened the door and I grabbed you off the street and I pulled you in and you have no choice, but unless you fast forward, but these are good products. I can vouch for at least one of the products, definitely of Shishi. And I can certainly uh, vouch for all the products for Maple Trade. And I cannot, as of yet, vouch for Dubrovko, but he's like the third guy that's kind of stepped in and said, I've got, I've got a product for sale. My voice is the store. This podcast is the store. If, if this continues because she, she's selling a lot. I mean, my God, there was like three or four different notes that she, she put up yesterday about all the people that have been buying comfrey and mentioned the show mentioned Bitcoin and he's given me a cut. 
of what he sells. He's not paying me on a month over month basis. This is commission. This is commission. If nobody buys anything from today's show, I don't get sat one from Shishi. You mention my show and buy his, buy his comfrey, you get it. And then I get paid. How, how, how is this not beautiful? How is this not completely pleb based commerce? That's why it's called the circle P it's pleb based commerce. So let's, let's do this thing. Let's do it. Introducing the incredible power of comfrey. This versatile plant offers a world of benefits. Need healing? Comfrey is your natural remedy for wounds, inflammation, and pain relief. It's been trusted for centuries. Boost your garden's productivity. Comfrey's rapid biomass production means abundant mulch and compost material, fueling healthy plant growth. Unlock nature's nutrients because comfrey's deep roots draw up vital minerals, enriching the soil and benefiting nearby plants. Are you tired of weeding? Embrace comfrey mulch, suppress weeds, conserve moisture, and nourish your garden effortlessly. Supercharge your compost. Comfrey's high nitrogen content turbocharges your compost pile. But remember to balance it with carbon-rich materials such as brown leaves and dry grass. Harness liquid gold. Create powerful liquid fertilizer, which... With Comfrey Tea, it's easy to make and provide your plants with a nutrient boost. Discover the wonders of Comfrey today and unleash nature's potential. You can get it at shishi21m at protonmail.com. That's a slower way to, you know, if you want to email Shishi, that's how you get to them. But it's a slower process to get sold. Make sure you mentioned uh, mentioned Bitcoin and, but yeah, the email is slower to get your, get, a, get a hold of him. The faster way is get on Noster and go look for his inpub. You just type in like at S H I S H I. If you don't get it that way, then look in the show notes for today. It'll be like inpub, uh, inpub one U G N Q 57, you know, look for Heinz 57. He will sell you one root for 20 bucks and you can make multiple cuttings off that. Or if you want him to do the root cuttings, they're a buck a piece buyer pays for shipping. Okay. Understand that the buyer pays for shipping. Dubrovko is the second featured pleb at the Circle P. Black soldier fly larvae, they offer the following benefits. Number one, efficient waste management by consuming organic waste. Two, sustainable feed production for livestock and aquaculture, not for human consumption, guys. Don't eat the bugs. Three, establishment of a circular economy by converting waste into valuable biomass. Four, reduced environmental impact with fewer resources and lower emissions. Five, bioconversion and composting for nutrient-rich soil amendment. Six, potential for insect-based products like oil, chitin, and frass. That's the black soldier fly larva poop, frass. Seven, and finally, preservation of biodiversity by reducing overfishing and land use for feed production. Uh, that's a little far-fetched. This, that last one's a little bit far-fetched, but it does, th- these things do so much because overall BSFL or black soldier fly larvae provide a sustainable solution for waste management, feed production, and various industries while minimizing environmental impact. Now you can get your live and or dried or frozen black soldier fly larvae from my friend, Oak Grove. I will have his in pub in the show notes as well. 
He's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, so that's a lot easier to get mailed from or mailed to than if you're living, you know, overseas or like in New England or something like that. But those are the two individuals at the Circle Pleb today. Come in, get your stuff. I guarantee you, you're going to want to learn about how to use both of these products. And both of these products are self-sustaining, which means that once you have them, if you know how to work them, you'll never need to buy them again. I'm going to do a show on Black Soldier Fly to tell you how to do that. Uh, I don't know. I, oh, I guess it's a good time to say that I will be gone for the second. Uh, I think we're leaving on the 18th of June to go to Colorado, which is my normal summer trip. Um, I'll do what I can to have shows up during my absence, but this is when I go to Colorado and I want to go to Colorado. I just, I have to be in the Rocky mountains. I, I, I mean, I'm close to them right now, but I need to be in Southwest Colorado. There's something about the San Juan mountains that just cannot be beat. Anyway, get your products from plebs, give your money to plebs, make that money, pleb money, make it Bitcoin. Now, what do we got? Uh, let's see. Where are we at? Hold on. I got to I got to check the time. We are at 41 minutes. So we're going to go ahead and run those numbers. Woohoo. Trump is heading to the courthouse for arraignment on document charges. I guess they got him. I guess, I guess the jig is up. You know, by the way, for any of the people that are out there that are wondering, um, the, the Presidential Papers Act basically allows any president to take whatever the hell they want with them. <laughs> so this is, I don't know where this is going to go. I honestly don't care. It's just a red banner over here on CNBC, Futures and Commodities, uh, Energy, kind of having a rebound today from yesterday's debacle. Uh, West Texas Intermediate is up three and a half points to 69.52. Brent North Sea is up three and a half to 74.39. Natural gas is up 2.69% to $2.32. Gasoline is up over three points to $2.56 a gallon. Metals are mixed. Gold getting its ass handed to it. 0.64% to the downside, down to 1957. Silver is down 1.2%. Platinum is down 1.3%. Copper is up two points. Platinum up one and a third. Lumber is reaching for the sky. I don't know what the hell happened with lumber today, but lumber is up 3.14%. And that is, in fact, the biggest winner in ag today. The biggest loser is going to be coffee down 1.76%. I got live cattle down scant. Lean hogs are up a third of a point. Feeder cattle are up 0.43%. Dow is up over half a point. S&P is up 0.7%. NASDAQ up 0.69%. And the S&P mini is up 1.14%. Real money costs you 25 thousand eight hundred and seventy six dollars and fifty one cents that's after five hundred and seventeen thousand btc have been sent in the markets to other people in the last 24 hours the average transaction value 1.26 btc median transaction value is 112 bucks nine minutes 10 seconds is the block time so we are a little low on that one got 0.26 btc taken in fees on a per block basis and 
Only 41.16 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. So ordinals kind of losing effect, or at least right now they are. With a 1.87% dip in hash rate, we are at 386.9 exahashes per second. And your shitcoin indicator, as always, is Dogecoin. 6.1 United States pennies tells you what the rest of the crap field is doing. Got a 500.9 billion dollar market cap. That is 3.87 percent of gold's market cap, and you can get 13.4 ounces of shiny metal rocks of with your one Bitcoin, of which there is 19,401,168.18 of, and 5,372.7 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at 138.7 million dollars. 70,403 payment channels that we know about and 64.0% of all that shit's being run over Tor. Looks like we have a 3.5% increase in difficulty coming up on June the 13th, 2023. So blocks are flying in faster to the point that it caused a day change on the retarget date. Mempools are, well, 100 and, I don't know, 180 blocks are carrying 273,000 unconfirmed transactions. Low priority, 20 Satoshis per VBite. High priority transaction is going to cost you about a buck oh five or 30 Satoshis per VBite uh, for a standard SegWit transaction. Okay, I don't know what the hell's going on with Fountain Charts, but now I'm number four. And I... Hadn't really seen any change in the amount of boosts and stuff that I got. So I went from 27 to four and then I dropped to, or to six and then I dropped to like 13 and then I dropped back down. And this is all within a day. This is all like when I was looking at it after yesterday's show and now I'm back up at four. So I don't know what's going on, but discovery is important and being in the top 10 enables better discovery than if you're down there sucking swamp water. It's not a popularity contest. I just, I, I want the show to actually go somewhere and discovery. I'll take discovery wherever I can get discovery. Fatoshi with 6102 says, no, not cheers. Nick underscore dose disagrees with that and says, you'll take your cheers and you'll like it. Wartime psycho with 5,000 sat says attention. Anyone in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, Wednesday, June the 16th, the Bitcoin meetup group is meeting at Founders Brewing for drinks and good conversation. Look for people wearing Bitcoin swag. 6 p.m. Be there. Hold on there, pal. The 16th is a Friday. Okay, so June 16th is actually a Friday. So either he's got the day, he says Wednesday wrong, or he's got the date wrong, and Wednesday is tomorrow the 14th. Uh, get a hold of Wartime Psycho over on uh, Noster and, and clear that shit up. Wartime Psycho with yet another 5,000 Satoshi boost says, early ad for Lake Satoshi Barbecue in Ovid, Michigan, August the 11th through the 13th. This is Ovid, Michigan. It's a Satoshi Barbecue at Lake Satoshi. August the 13th or 11th through 13th, $20 per ticket uh, price gets you weekend camping, a pig roast barbecue, swimming, fishing, and hang out with strong handed plebs. 100% of ticket sales go to Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador. More info at bitcoin101.io forward slash Lake Satoshi meetup. All right. So just go to bitcoin101.io, bitcoin101.io, bitcoin101.io. And Henry GQJ with 2000 says, Frass, 
is kind of pricey for dead insects, a really useful thing to do with it is to put it in with your IMO collection, and that's indigenous microorganisms. IMO is indigenous microorganisms. Look up, you might want to look up Korean gardening because I, I'm pretty sure that's where IMO comes from. Uh, put it in with your IMO collection, and then hopefully you can catch a chitinase-creating organism eating the frass. <clears throat> you then stabilize the IMO with sugar. You then make a compost tea with more frass and the IMO, and you will have a spray full of chitinase, which you can use to make a spray to melt insects into plant food. Holy shit. Some beneficials are made of chitin too, like bees, so please be careful. What is he talking about? Henry, I think I know what you're talking about. Well, let, me, let me try to go back here. Frass is what comes out of the pooper of black soldier fly larvae, which we were talking about earlier today. So you feed it meat, vegetables, whatever your kitchen scraps are. You throw it into a bin with black soldier fly and they eat it and they poop because they do have mouths and they do have an anus and a functional digestive system. The adult version does not. No mouth, no anus, no digestive system. But in the larval stage, they eat a lot. And when I mean eat a lot, they eat a lot. They can take a whole, they can take, they can process tonnage of raw, rotten food waste. It doesn't matter if it's fresh, rotten, four days old, a hundred days old. It doesn't matter. They don't care. They'll eat the whole thing and they poop it out. They make frass out of it. He's talking about putting it in with a set of indigenous microorganisms. And again, Korean gardening, go look that up. And He's saying that it sounds to me like within that population, there may be a population of indigenous microorganisms, one of which produces chitin ace. Chitin is the hard shell that covers insects, like lobster shell. Lobsters, by the way, are are an insect. Sorry to burst your bubble on that one. That's almost solid chitin. It's a kind of protein mixed with a sugar, if I remember right, and it's basically linked together in long chains, and they create a polymer of armor. It's great for you know a natural-based armor situation. But if you put, like chitin is the protein that we're talking about here, or the structure. If you put an ACE, A-S-E, at the end of any word, you're talking about an enzyme specifically designed to destroy and take apart molecule by molecule the word that comes before it. So chitinase is an enzyme that will, in fact, dissolve chitin. Proteinase is an enzyme that cuts peptide bonds. Um, what else would there be? Uh, there's our RNase is like it's everywhere. There's DNase. So RNase cuts RNA molecules. DNase cuts DNA molecules. So ASE on the end of any word is basically talking about an enzyme that deconstructs the molecule of the word that comes prior to it. Hope that helps. Nick underscore dose with 1369 says, cheers. Fatoshi says, okay, okay, cheers. Gotta get it. The Wild Hustle. 1,000 sats, says LFG. Dubrovko, my friend selling the black soldier fly larvae, says Ben Bernanke. He made the call to stop trading GameStop futures, quote, to protect the plebs. Oh, shit, I didn't know it was Ben Bernanke. That is interesting, Dubrovko. Thank you for your 1,000. Wartime Psycho with 500 says double post last time was a fountain error in your favor. I'm, I'll take it. Pies with 500 says even when I'm broke, 
I will always attempt to day after day boost this show of truths. Mr. Bennett is a pleb OG. Thank you. That makes me feel good. God's Death 370 says, thank you, sir. And Craft Beer Born with 250 says, it's, sorry, excuse me. It's been now over an hour since you posted the show note on Noster and you had no zaps until mine. I could have bought your ad space for one Satoshi. I know the idea is that as the market develops, the rate would increase. That'd be true for some profiles. The other side, as ephemeral as they might be at current BTC price, a 1 million US dollar ad campaign would be enough to zapfertize 35,233 notes every 10 minutes for an entire year, including one sat for the note and one for the fees. That's mass untargeted spam. He's not lying. He's not lying. This can quit. This can get away for, from us as much as it can do us good. It's a tool like anything else. I can hit you on the head with a hammer and cause damage or I can build you a house. It's not the hammer's fault. It's the person using it. But he continues with another 250 and says, and since I ran out of space on my counter, here's my Zapvert. If you are in need of an English-Spanish translation for a web, app, game, email, book, or any kind of document, hit me up on Noster. I'm a native Spanish speaker and have a PhD in a British university, so you can expect high-quality translations. No official or legal documents, please, since I'm not a, quote, official translator. Flip side, though, I won't charge you the 60 cents, 60 United States pennies per word as they do. My God, is translations on official stuff cost that much? That's a lot of money, dude. So hit up Kvart Beerborn. He may, oh, I may get him into Circle P. Even though he's selling a service and not a product, his would actually be the first actual service that I that I put in the Circle P. We'll 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 talk about it. Uh, Nick underscore Dose replies to him with a with uh, no, actually he just replies and says, I think Boost are a hundred sat minimum. At least they are through the Fountain app. Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see, but, uh, uh, I can do one sat on Noster and that's where Zapvertising really comes in. Uh, so, so far it should expand, but it is what it is. Anyway, that that's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. We're going to start this one off with. First Mover Americas out of Corn De- Corn Desk. I did, I did. I called it Corn Desk. It's Coin Desk, but I'm Corn Desk actually sounds better. <clears throat> Lila Ledesama has this one. Etoro D lists four SEC targeted tokens for U.S. customers, of course, because nobody can do business at all with the United States people. Anyway, uh, social investing platform eToro will delist a selection of crypto tokens for its United States customers in a month's time in response to recent legal action by the SEC. From July the 12th, U.S. customers will no longer be able to open new positions in the tokens of Algorand, Decentraland, Dash, and Polygon eToro announced on Monday. However, customers will still be able to hold and sell existing positions of these shitcoins. They say tokens. The crypto platform cited recent developments as the reason for the move, referring to the SEC's legal action against crypto exchanges Coinbase and Binance, in which the regulator claimed certain cryptocurrencies were securities. 
That's all you need to know. eToro is now delisting this crap. And these will not be the only shit coins to get delisted. It's going to be, this is the ablative armor actually working. Because as these things fall away, and now's the time, now's the time to really build up the Bitcoin infrastructure. Whether it's the social infrastructure, the protocol infrastructure, of course, I'm not really calling for hard forks, but I'm just saying build up the, the infrastructure by running a node. It's not hard. You can do it on a Raspberry Pi 4. Just, I don't know, go go call Start9 and say, give me your 299 or your $200 box so I can run a server at home and you'll be able to run a full Bitcoin node. That's supporting the infrastructure. I don't care who tells you different because there's a lot of actual Bitcoiners out there that will tell you that running a, a, a Bitcoin full node doesn't matter. I think it does. I think they're wrong. Fuck those guys. They're shit coins. Just saying. Now, <clears throat> Binance fights back. Yeah, the empire strikes back, I guess, against SEC lawsuit over alleged securities violations. Jo- Jason Nelson has it for decrypt. A week after the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission filed charges against Binance, the largest cryptocurrency exchange by volume filed several motions in the United States District Court of the District of Columbia on Monday in opposition to the lawsuit. Quote, the SEC's request for a temporary restraining order should be denied for several reasons. But the most important is this. There is no risk to BAM's customer assets, Binance attorney Daniel W. Nelson said in a motion signed by multiple lawyers for the exchange, quote, indeed, there's no emergency here at all other than the one manufactured by the SEC for its own purposes. When the alleged securities law violations, according to the SEC, have been going on publicly and openly for years, end quote. <clears throat> Last week, the SEC filed 13 charges against Binance, Binance U.S., and Binance founder and CEO Shang Peng Zhao claiming Zhao broke U.S. security rules, including operating unregistered securities, etc., etc., etc. The SEC also alleges that Zhao and Binance engaged in an extensive web of deception, including conflicts of interest, lack of disclosure, and calculated evasion of the law. Quote, as alleged, Zhao and Binance misled investors about their risk controls and corrupted trading volumes while actively concealing who was operating the platform. The manipulative manipulative trading of its affiliated market maker, and even where and with whom investor funds and crypto assets were custodied. Across more than 20 motions and declarations filed with the court, lawyers for Binance questioned the timing of the SEC's charges, which coincided with a lawsuit targeting Coinbase, the largest cryptocurrency, uh, the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the U.S., Binance's legal team says a fundamental securities question that the SEC skipped is the due process implications of whether this action was appropriately authorized by the commission because Chairman Gensler had personal interactions with Zhao and Binance during the time in question. That doesn't matter, dude. It just doesn't. Quote, the SEC alleges that Binance.com has been operating unlawfully since its launch in 2017, including the early years when the SEC says it openly had U.S. users, Nelson said, asking why the agency would let these platforms, Binance and Binance.us, grow to their current size if they were, you know, always illegal. 
Quote, the SEC has eschewed rulemaking in favor of ad hoc enforcement in violation of the Administrative Procedure Act, the attorney said. In the documents, Binance attorneys say Binance has been engaging with the SEC since at least 2021. Still, it wasn't until February of this year that they learned that they were potential targets of an investigation. Quote, This court should not permit the SEC to inflict harm in the United States and worldwide by enacting the drastic relief sought by the SEC on an incomplete record of and expedited schedule. All right. So there's something in here that I'm surprised that the, the lawyers for Binance did not take forward. Let's see if I can find it again. Uh, there's any interactions. Yeah. Okay. Here it is. Here's the, here's the paragraph. <clears throat> The SEC, and this is a quote, the SEC alleges that Binance.com has been operating unlawfully since its launch in 2017, including the early years when the SEC says it openly had U.S. users. Nelson said, asking why the agency, this is the meat and potatoes, why has the agency lit these platforms, Binance and Binance U.S., grow to their current size if they were always illegal? Here's what I think their lawyers are missing. This isn't about Binance putting citizenry and regular retail folks in danger. This is about, through lack of inaction, the SEC putting retail, citizenry, and private individuals in danger. It's not Binance's fault. It's the SEC's fault. They're not going that way as far as any of these motions are concerned, or at least as, as far as I can see. That would be uh, that would be great if they were to go, you know, this isn't Binance's fault. They didn't endanger anybody. You let them grow to this size. You're the one that is functionally endangering the people that you say you're here to protect through these actions. Now I'm I'm not I'm not pandering for Binance. I don't give a shit. I honestly think it's a shitcoin casino and should burn right down to the ground, but it's an interesting thing that their lawyers have missed to put the allegations squarely on the SEC and not just say, oh, well, you let us go this long. You should let us go longer. No, 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 no. They should agree with the SEC and say, you're right. And through your actions, you've allowed us to put all of these people in danger. And we need to get our shit together. And if you don't help us, then then this, the blame shifts squarely to your section of the tennis court. And the ball is bouncing right over there. You helped do this. We are more than willing to figure out a way that we can work our way out of this deal. But it's not going to happen with this lawsuit. And since it's your fault that this lawsuit has been enacted because it's the allegations you're giving to Binance are actually shouldered. The burden is shouldered by you, the SEC. You're the one that put these people in danger. You're the one through inaction that has put these people in danger. Unless you come to grips with your own complicity in this bullshit, we cannot move forward. And if Warren Davidson and Tom Emmer don't grab onto that little bitty strand of thread, And if they did, they could definitely do, I think they could cause some real pain to Gary Gensler. Again, this isn't, I'm I'm not, you know, rah, rah for Binance. That's not the point. 
But the point is, is that if they were saying that Binance was operating unlawfully since 2017, why now? Why now? Because it's all part of Operation Choke Point 2.0. But let's shift gears just a little bit. Mnemonic like mnemonics, like Johnny Mnemonic. If you haven't seen that movie, it's a great movie. You should watch that movie. Mnemonic a human readable PGP key backup. This is no bullshit. Bitcoin, AKA no BS, Bitcoin.com. Mnemonic is a deterministic backup and PGP key recovery tool that uses human readable phrases. This is the first ever pre-release of mnemonic and as far as I'm aware, mnemonic is the first of its kind, rhyming only with the related but conceptually different passphrase to PGP tool from which I drew my original inspiration, the developer wrote. mnemonic lets you save your PGP identity as a list of English words and use these words to recover lost keys or derive Brand new subkeys. Mnemonic deterministically derives a full set of PGP keys based on a secure, randomly generated seed. That seed and the key creation timestamp is then re-exported in the form of an English phrase, which you record on paper and fully back up your PGP key with. The recovery phrase is encoded similarly to how Bitcoin wallets are backed up. All right, so PGP keys. This is like kind of more ancient history this is this predates bitcoin bitcoin wallets passphrases private key public key pairs cuz that's where private key public key pairs came from was from pgp which stands for pretty good privacy it was that if i remember right it was the pgp situation that caused the ninth circuit court of appeals to uphold that code is the a first amendment right and that it was that that in this particular case pgp or the computer code that allowed you to encode messages with sha256 i believe maybe it was sha2 whatever it was it was some encryption pattern that it was not a munition and that yes you can export this across state lines and country lines and it was not to be regarded as a munition under the munitions, I don't know, what do they call it? The uh, 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 basically Arms Dealership Act of the United States where you couldn't sell arms to foreign foreign nationals. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld that. And they bet, so when they did that, they said, you can do this. We're not putting you in jail. We're not shutting you down. We're not, we're not going to call PGP illegal. It was the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. If I remember right, it was Ninth Circuit. It was out in California. It was not a Supreme Court decision. It was an appellate court decision. And if that gets battled again, it will probably get bumped up to the Supreme Court, but it's not in danger as of today. Just saying. But this was a way for me to be able to send you through any medium I saw saw fit a coded message. And if I gave you, if you had my public key, you could decode that message if I encoded it to that public key. So it would just be a message between me and you. And nobody else would be able to read it. A thousand people could intercept that message. And there's no hope in hell that they would ever be able to decode that message. Only you, if I gave you a public key and I wrote this message to that public key, 
Would you be able to read that? If I gave somebody else a public key from my private key, PGP key, they would not be able to read your message and they would not be able to read the other person's message. So this is nice that we're starting, that we have people that are still interested in the very roots, the very cradle from which Bitcoin was born. I think it's important. I think you should look into PGP just because it is extraordinarily interesting. Uh, Block Green launches Bitcoin mining future revenue marketplace in partnership with Merkle Standard. Okay, BTC Casey, Bitcoin Magazine, Block Green, a Switzerland-based Bitcoin liquidity protocol, and Merkle Standard, a United States Bitcoin mining company, have announced a partnership that allow Merkle Standard to utilize Block Green's platform to hedge future revenue risks and access immediate liquidity at transparent and favorable rates. According to the press release, by facilitating mining rewards, streaming agreements, and employing Bitcoin script and custodial solutions, the platform unlocks opportunities for Bitcoin holders and miners, redefining the financing landscape and empowering participants with new market avenues. The capabilities of Block Green's platform enable mining operators to sell exposure to their future revenues at a discount. Oh, God, what could possibly go wrong? Addressing their liquidity needs effectively. Additionally, BTC hodlers can benefit from the platform enjoying an attractive BTC native return. Uh-oh. As part of the partnership, Merkle Standard plans to to sell exposure to 100 petahashes per second of hash rate over a 30-day period, receiving 7.5 BTC in immediate upfront liquidity. Luxor Tech, a mining software and services company, is among the LPs that have filed that have filled the trade. Oh, so they're already using it. Sebastian Hess, CEO at Block Green, expressed excitement about the partnership, stating, "Quote: Our platform empowers Bitcoin miners to unlock and access." future liquidity and hedge revenue risks driving growth capital coupled with risk mitigation for sophisticated mining operations. Head of research at Merkle Standard, Holden Guillez, shared the enthusiasm emphasizing the innovative nature of collaboration saying, quote, this innovative financial product provides us with a new way to manage risk by hedging mining difficulty while gaining upfront liquidity. We believe this partnership offers an essential tool to effectively plan, operate, and execute within the fast-moving Bitcoin mining industry. I don't like it, but there's not a damn thing I can do about it. I don't, and I don't think these people are necessarily being evil. However, game theory Every time somebody comes up with these derivative products for Bitcoin, it causes game theory to be reevaluated. And how is it going to affect the price of Bitcoin? Probably not well. I'm just saying, because every single fucking derivative product that has come out of the goddamn sky from hither and yon has never really been all that good for Bitcoin. Now, has it? Can somebody point me to a derivative product of Bitcoin, whether it's futures price, regular price, hash rate, that has increased Bitcoin's exposure to the world? Because honestly, every single derivative product that I've seen has made people want to run away from Bitcoin. Is this going to be any different? Probably not. But my opinion here is that it looks to me that they're pulling from the future to stabilize today 
They need to go get something. And it looks like what they're going to get to stabilize their exposure, their risk, is to pull value from the future. Please tell me, how's that? how is that any different than inflation? It's not going to inflate the Bitcoin supply, but when you're talking about derivatives or sidecars that ride on the Bitcoin, that ride on the Bitcoin price, essentially, you're introducing something new. And it's never been good for Bitcoin. I don't think this is going to be good for Bitcoin, but please, please, please keep, uh, just be careful out there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, okay, here's the last one for the day. Decrypt. Nivesh Rustji has it. Crypto earn platform Haru Invest freezes their withdrawals, citing service partner issues. Oh joy, more more pain. Haru Invest, a South Korean digital asset management platform, suspended withdrawals from its platform, citing an issue with one of its service partners. The firm announced Tuesday morning that the suspension was a tough decision taken to protect consumer funds while the firm figured out a contingency plan to rectify the situation. Why did you not already have plan B as as literally a folder that said, okay, we're screwed. Here's what we worked out with plan B. Everybody make the phone calls. Let's get this shit set up. They're really, they're actually building their plan B after plan A got screwed in the ass. That's not when you have plan B. Just saying. Haru offers annual yields, oh God, between 12 and 25% on five cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Shitcoin One, Tether, Circle, and dare I say XRP. Oh my God, this is just horrible. Hold on, I screwed up. I clicked on something I shouldn't have clicked on. See if I can get this back. Oh my God, I don't know if I can get it back. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, hold on, guys. Hold on. I don't know why they let that actual shit happen. Let me go back over here. Do, 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 do. Dun, dun. Haru. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. Haru. Let's get back here. Um, The firm claims to have over 80,000 users in 140 countries. $1 billion in assets under management per an April 18th update. Haru did not immediately respond to Decrypt's request for comment. It's not a rug pull, though. <laughs> Local reports also indicate that the firm's sole offices have been closed as well as its LinkedIn account. Uh-oh. Haru CEO Hugo Hyung-Soo Lee said that the firm moved to a work-from-home mandate. <laughs> Defending the office closure. It's a rug pull, dude. The move is reportedly made to protect the assets in the office from potential fallout of users due to withdrawal suspension. The co-founder and former chief technical officer of Haru uh, said that the closing that closing the social media account was to follow guidelines of the law firm in terms of legal response, whatever. Jew added that the platform has an internal situation and not an attempt at a malicious rug pull bullshit. Upbit, a South Korean crypto exchange, has also restricted the withdrawal of Upbit assets to Haru following the suspension of withdrawals. The platform still holds all of its user funds, 
uh, with its internal trading team and global asset managing partners, it yields gener- generates yield through different arbitrage and investment opportunities. Haru uses uh, users on Telegram are already growing impatient with some intent on preparing legal action against the firm. Another distressed user on Twitter said he was extremely worried as there was no real information provided by Haru. Yeah, you're losing your money. Haru is rug pulling. All these people are going to rug pull. And the people that, for whatever reason, think that they can survive the onslaught will be dragged before Gary Gensler. And when he dons his cape and mitre, may let you live, but most likely you will be summarily executed in the fields of Rome so that everybody can sit there and cheer your downfall. I'm serious, guys. This is a rug pull. And you're going to see more of them. More and more of these bullshit little boutique or retail, small, re, smaller retail exchanges and these idiots that are offering yield, they're going to take your money because they know that if they don't do it now, they will not have a chance to do it in the future. Everyone that has ever dealt, dealt with any of these platforms are at risk. Your money is at risk. If you cannot bring yourself to understand that, then you won't be able to execute the following. Get all of your shit off of exchanges before you do, if you can, convert it to Bitcoin and then get all of your shit off of exchanges. I don't know how often we have to repeat that, but it seems clear that the majority of people have not gotten the message. So one more time, buy Bitcoin. Hold Bitcoin, get your shit off of exchanges. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Hey, I heard a joke about social security, but you probably won't get it. Get it? Ah. Jameson Lop, you can thank Jameson Lop for that little dad joke. I don't know if I'm affecting the field. I'm seeing so many more people do dad jokes on uh, social media than, or especially Bitcoin based social media like Noster. And, and before I got booted off Bitcoin Twitter as well. But uh, I don't know. I like dad jokes. And that one's a good one. Jameson Lop absolutely just knocked it out of the park for the Bitcoin and podcast. Uh, if you want to support the show, you know where to go. Apple Podcasts, five-star review. Do you have any idea how much that actually helps? Some people will put a review on something and go, you know, I don't even know why I'm wasting my time. It's not going to do anything. It does, whether it's a one-star review or a five-star review. I prefer the five-star variety because it means that I'm actually giving you some value. But it helps for discovery. It's been helping for discovery. Please, 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 if you cannot give your Satoshis, or any of your other talents or treasure, then give me your time and do the five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do have treasure that you'd like to part with and think that I'm giving you value, then I would most definitely have room in my Bitcoin or my Lightning Network wallet, which I keep on my Lightning node, which is on my node, BTC. That's the software that I use in my Raspberry Pi to run a Bitcoin full node and a Lightning Network node. And I will keep it there. Because that's what I do. I've got my podcast has 
the RSS feed has been infused with my lightning node address. And therefore, anytime you boost or stream me Satoshis to listen to the show because you think it's providing you value, that value that you give to me is streaming directly, not into a third party wallet. No, no, no. It's two feet away from me on a Raspberry Pi underneath my vinyl based record player. That's right. Even I listen to vinyl every once in a while. Why? Honestly, because they sound better, but it depends on the speakers and amplifiers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when you stream me value, not only am I thankful for it, it's not going to a custodial wallet. It's going to me. I'm the custody. I'm the custodian now. So it's quote unquote non-custodial, but that's not true because I custody that wallet. It's not with any other third party. You do that. Shop at the Circle P, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon.